Okay, we'll introduce you like that then. Uh, <laughs> welcome to One Inch Bar Scary Podcast. This is Kirsty Sayer, and I'm speaking to Joe Garcia, um, who has been one of our most popular podcast guests in the past, and I'm super excited for you to join us again, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us. I love Joe. He's such an interesting, funny, great conversationalist, and I also love to have him on the podcast or talk to him because he lives a life that's so completely different from mine and it is fascinating to hear his take on things um and how similarly yet differently we see the world in many ways <laughs> um if you didn't listen to joe in um my earlier podcast interview with him that was gosh that was a while ago it 2019 and even if it was it 2018 okay 2019 oh okay yeah i thought it was a little more recent than 2018 so 2019 but anything prior to 2020 is just like before times right it's just like in dream times or like bc before corona before um (laughs) bc so um i know it was certainly bc and so that's um Honestly, I really thank you for getting me back on the wagon with this. I was just telling Joe that I've had several um, irritating events occur with um, podcast episodes. And it's not even that it was just I could blame it on 2020 because it's also happened this year that all of my episodes have been in some way botched or lost. And I just kind of took it as a sign from the universe to sit down and Um, so I did. And I was also just irritated. I just didn't want to deal. Um, but then Joe was like, let's do a podcast. And I was like, cool, yes. Let's not rule out, you know, with all these botched podcast episodes happening. Let's not rule out let's the possibility of possibly hacking your IP address <laughs> and silencing you. I don't you. even know we can say that without getting sued. But yes, let's not botch out that um, <laughs> local um, politicians and others <laughs> might be <laughs> messing with my life. Jokes, you guys, kind of, sort of. Anyway, accusation, of course. No accusations. It's just you know, um, living in Bowling Green has is super high drama. You guys, let me explain. Let me explain something. If you want an exciting life, um, don't by any means live in Bowling Green, Ohio. Um, I think that's very apparent. However, if you want like petty ridiculous drama from morning till night with your townspeople you should settle probably in a midwestern town yes such as this one absolutely would you agree we were talking a lot about how um you know the coronavirus was has ostensibly been a lot of a sacrifice for everybody um, but we didn't feel that that's the case, particularly right. um, your peers. You didn't feel like a whole lot of them um, did much to change their lifestyles. No. Which added to the enormous amount of, um, I don't know, it just had to be really, really hard for you to be so um, desperate to get out there and to fight and, or just, you know, have your regular, very, very hyper busy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um and then you see everybody and else kind of doing what you ex- want to do. And it's like, well, you know, it sucks. Exactly. And so on top of the fact that you've, 
you know, lost your livelihood, lost your exercise, lost your um, creative outlet, because it really is a very creative cerebral thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, you know, yeah, jujitsu, I should say, is so creative and cerebral. It, it takes up a ton of um, of that headspace, which in a really healthy way, I think. Yeah, definitely. If you're, a, you know, you've got those racing thoughts, those that's really that sort of stress tape in your head. Um, it's it takes care of all that, doesn't it? Yeah, they always um, say that saying goes what like find you need. You need a way, something that, uh, something that helps you be creative, you know, something that keeps you in shape, something, you know, you ever hear that saying? I haven't, but that sounds very good because we've heard, you know, a lot about needing to stay in shape, but I don't hear a lot about how important creativity is. I think we're all creators. And if we're not finding a satisfying and fulfilling creative outlet, we're not having a good time yeah i wish i could remember how that saying goes but it's something like you know you need x amount of things in your life something to keep you creative something to keep you in shape something to make you money and uh yeah and training for me training for me was kind of all of those things in one so i kind of lost all of those outlets kind of in the blink of it yeah and you didn't have the social support um that some you know a lot of us found our (laughs) our team um who were similarly um, cloistered, yeah. you know, we, and yours wa- wasn't. So I have to, you know, really tip my hat at how uh, much courage and um, integrity you showed in, in doing that because you were saying, and I'm not sure if we'll make this cut, we're recording, um, for those who are listening, we're recording um, a couple of days late to the end of the podcast because we had major sound problems that you'll be able to tell earlier but they became really terrible um in that there was a massive delay and it just sounded like i did nothing but talk over poor joe more than usual and there were long (laughs) long 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 weird pauses so we're trying to get the the last bit that we recorded um again um but you were saying i think earlier and it it might it might end up in the final cut of this that many many mma gyms actually just sort of went underground and continued yeah and they can't they kind of and everybody's sort of done this they politicized it you know they you know we're going to keep training and we're going to keep wrestling and we're going to do this and we're not going to let big government shut us down you know they just completely politicize the whole thing and and there's covid cases coming out of this gym you know even now covid cases coming out of these gyms that that chose to stay open and they just, they don't really seem to care. Has anybody been, you know, seriously sick so far? Oh, uh, there was actually a dude in Cincinnati who was, uh, he was a little bit older than me, but he was definitely in way better shape than me, uh, who passed away. Uh, I think it was in yeah. January. Yeah. And, um, so and, and the thing is too, like, you know, they say we're young and we're athletic and, you know, it's just like a cold, it's just like the flu and, you know, it's I know really people, not. I know people who have had it, you know, my, my sister actually had it. My sister is a nurse in a COVID unit in Toledo oh, and she just got so over it. And, it. and for her, it was literally, it was just like, it was like a cold, there was like a cold and she couldn't smell and she couldn't taste. So I'm not denying that for some people, it's not that bad. But the problem is when you take it home and you give it to somebody who's immunocompromised, it's not just a cold to them. You know, this thing is killing people. Lots is, and lots um... of people. It is. We lost a family member ourselves this last weekend um, who got it from 
a younger, healthier member of their family who didn't take precautions and he caught it and didn't survive it. And that is an incredibly hard thing um, for everybody to reconcile with. And, and I think that's what I really did try to drill into my kids, you know, when we were first hearing stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of us can take a chance with this and we'll probably, you know, we can spin the dice and, and, and come out on top. But you don't know if you'll be responsible for the for whomever doesn't. And it's why would you take that chance? Gamble. Yeah. Why would why you gamble would you take that? that chance? For me, yeah. when this thing first started, so the you know, my dad, or the guy I called dad anyways, he's um he was my stepdad growing up, but he's, you know, still been my dad my whole life. He uh, has one kidney. He just got a kidney transplant last year before all of this started. He was in stage four kidney failure for three or four years. He's on dialysis and his name ended up coming up on the list and he got a new kidney, but he's awesome. still, you know, he's still very much a diabetic and he's obviously immunocompromised because the anti-rejection meds literally shut down your immune system. That's how it stops you from rejecting the kidney. So when this right. thing first started, I told him like, do not leave your house. Like I'm going to buy your groceries. I'm going to drop off your groceries. I'm going to freaking spray your groceries with Lysol and leave them at your door. Like, do not leave your house. And I still, to this day, I have not seen my dad since before the shot. It's been probably a year and a half since I've given my dad a hug and he lives in Bowling Green. Like, you got to take this stuff seriously. And I, yeah. And thank goodness he is. And thank goodness you are. Because I think just so much of this ignorance, like you say, has been politicized. Yes. And people honestly feel like they, they're taking up some righteous cause by going out there and, you know, burning masks and stuff. It's just the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen. Um, and it's sad. It honestly is sad because who, whomever is weaponizing this ignorance against people um, doesn't realize how... You know, a lot of people are just looking for a tribe. They are excited to be tribal and nothing yes. else. They just want to be on a team. Yes. And and so if their team tells them this is all garbage, they're not going to look into facts. They're not going to actually go to the CDC website where it's all laid out. They're not going to look at statistics. They're going to go yay team. Yeah. And when they do do and research, it definitely it's, consequences. when they do do any kind of research, it's it's obviously it's confirmation bias. They're just going to find whatever supports them. Which is, and honestly, <laughs> if you if you look at any sort of research with any kind of scientific method, um, you shouldn't be able to. But again, that's been weaponized. And it's just, it really is sad because I don't believe that if we hadn't done that, we would have th- these issues. I think people do care about their, their loved ones. And if, I don't know, it's just sad. It's and I really, I know that, for you so back to you uh, specifically um here you are somebody who's thoughtful understands that this is for real knows that it is of major risk to your health um and to your loved one's health and you're going to toe the line do the right thing um but you didn't have your group of people who were similarly um you know sort of committed to that and i know even from our um family standpoint our friends were um I shouldn't say our friends just in this general way, but I would say most all of our friends were, um, you know, making out as though they were absolutely committed to staying safe from COVID and social distancing and all that, because in our kind of, in our crowd, that was a socially responsible, acceptable thing to do. But even those who said they were committed were far less committed than we were. And it would piss me off 
you know, and I would see things um, or I felt like they'd put us in danger um, without us realizing, you know, stuff like that, that made me so ragey. I was, you know, I have ended up with far fewer friendships after all of this because I just can't cope with it. I just can't cope with that kind of thoughtlessness or that kind of deception when life's on the line. Um, so I know that even with, I have a family of seven sitting around with me committed to it. And even though, um, you know, my friends were in name committed to it when their actions didn't quite line up with mine, I felt lonely and isolated and angry. And so I can't even imagine what level of isolation and anger was layered on top of the fact that your whole lifestyle was just completely changed. And I want you to talk about how you went from relying so heavily on being busy all the time and being with people and just working yourself like to death, <laughs> frankly, to cope mentally, to cope with emotions that were uncomfortable for you um, on top of, you know, as well as earning money and, and, and enjoying yourself. Um, what did you do? Because that's a dangerous position to be in. Well, honestly, well, you know, like we talked about, I was working, I was working 10 to 12 hours, sometimes 13, 14 hours at the bar, um, at the strip club. Yeah. Actually, for those who don't know, I worked at Platinum Showgirls and then I would, yeah. I would uh, run the gym two to three hours. Then I would only sleep like five, six hours because I lived an hour away from both. And, uh, you know, I've always kind of so been into that. Yeah, I've, I've always kind of, <laughs> I've, I've always kind of subscribed to that, you know, work, 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 work. I didn't really mind. But then when they, they shut the bars down first and then they shut the bars down. So I was like, okay, I'll get on unemployment. You know, I got a little bit of money, say whatever. I'll just run more classes, you know, to make money and to stay busy. And then the very next day they shut the gyms down. So I was like, damn, like now what am I going to do? Like, not only what am I going to do for money? Like, what am I physically going to do? Because I (laughs) I wake up in the morning thinking about training. I dream about training. You know what I mean? Like as soon as my feet hit the floor, you know, I'm about to go work out right now when we get done with this podcast. Like, it's just what I do. It's what you <laughs> so do. the first couple of days was like, it was like being institutionalized, you know, like lose track of what time it is. Like, it was actually kind of pitiful how, how it rocked me so bad, just, you know, losing my job and losing my gym because, you know, even though it's important to me. I don't think it's pitiful at all. <laughs> I felt so terrible for you. I was really worried for you. Um more you know i was worried for you financially for sure but i was really worried for you emotionally and just you know mentally i just thought wow this is a blow like this guy relies on being busy yeah <laughs> what's he yeah. gonna do yeah somebody yeah. who knows me as well as you do yeah you gotta understand like man it made me for a couple of days it made me absolutely manic but what mm. i did was i i kind of focused that manic energy like okay you know, we can't control, we can't control the things that happen to us. We can only control the way we react to them. There's, I don't remember what book that's from, but it's from a book. And I always kind of took that to heart. So it's like, what can I do? Yeah. I can't open the gyms back up. I can't open the bars back up. I can't make this virus go away. So what, what can I do? Um, so I started thinking of ways to make money, not only ways to make money, but ways to learn new skills, to learn new sources of income and to do it safely. And that's when I went back to landscape. I'd always worked in landscape, but I'd never worked for myself. So it's like, you know, I can build retaining walls. I can build garden beds. I can do these things and that things. And these are jobs that I can do by myself, socially distanced. And they're highly physical. Yeah, and they're highly physical. 
you're getting that outlet in some way. So I went really hard on landscape. And then, you know, it came to mind that, you know, the whole, for those of you that don't know, there's, there's a certain kind of tacos that are like a viral craze right now. It's called media, right? Um, the, yes. some people call them dippy tacos. It drives me nuts when people call them dippy tacos. It's called media. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a type of taco that comes with a, a broth called consomme, right? And anybody listening probably already knows, but a year ago when the shutdown first happened, I didn't, people, but I'm yeah, a lot wise. of people, it, people kind of just got hit, uh, last okay. year And Bidia is actually, it's a regional dish in Mexico. So a lot of Mexican restaurants don't serve it. A lot of Mexicans don't know how to make it because it comes from the Mexican state of Jalisco. It's like a, like a lobster roll or like Buckeyes, you know what I mean? It's very, very regional to one part of Mexico happens to be from. So when I realized that I was like one of the only people in the entire city of Toledo that knew how to make it, went out and spent my last 300 bucks on a grill, started selling plates. I remember those and they always look damn delicious. And whenever I wanted in on it, you were sold out. <laughs> I was, dude, I was making so much money selling video tacos. I felt like a drug dealer. Like I just had wads of cash. It was like, That's it was like, a, I felt like Scarface. I was like, I cannot believe I'm making this much money off of freaking tacos. So why did you stop? <laughs> was it too much? Uh, too exhausting? You, Keep it Yeah, up. you know, I had others. I am going to get back to it, but I had I had other stuff going on. There's actually a, a good friend of mine. His name is JT. He's from Guanajuato, Mexico. Um, he opened a taco truck called El Viajon. He sells birria. So now I'm no longer the only place in town to get birria. And I have people hit me up all the time. I just, I've got other stuff going on, but I am going to get back to it. But it, it did get to the point where I was cooking like eight hours a day and I wasn't enjoying it anymore. Yeah, that sounds good. Money was fantastic, but. Well, congrats on that. Well, that is some crazy creativity. I'm really impressed with that. But yeah, I just, I bided my time. I just, just yeah, what can I learn? What can I do? Like, I'm just now, I got a new location open in Toledo. I'm about to open another location in Bowling Green. We'll be bacteriostatic fogging. We'll be taking temperatures. I have people fill out COVID waivers. You know, we're not really going to be back to full swing like we were um but i'm to the point now where if they shut everything down again tomorrow this time i'll be ready all right well once i'm fully vaccinated i you know i'll be there but um (laughs) i mean i'm sick of trying to take care of other people who don't want to be taken care of um yeah i don't know i i don't actually know the safety ramifications of all that but i'm really impressed with your resilience um so tell me more about you were told you used to say how you you know I used to say you've got to take days off when you've broken yourself you know literally when they're the, <laughs> when when your shoulder when your arm is hanging down by your ankle there's a problem and you should probably you know not just strap it up and go back in the right. ring um and you used to say no gots to do it you know I I I, I fish swim and birds fly and I fight that's what I do and I would just sort of look at you in this like okay loco um way but then I realized that this is not you know it wasn't just so much a drive it was a an escape yes um that you needed it was your drug and we talked about um in the bit that cut off how you realized one day that you know while fighting is your passion and you love it and you get so much good out of it um, and you're very willing to sacrifice your body for it, which, you know, is some, you know, something that fighters have to be realistic about. Yep. Um, 
you realized you were also sacrificing your peace and your soul yes. because you were you weren't taking care of those parts. And when COVID sort of took away all your crutches, all all the things that you could do to forget, um, what did you turn to instead, just for for the soul part, uh, for the mental health part? Uh, meditation. I turned to prayer and meditation. And the big thing for me, and just hearing the word meditation come out of my mouth, I mean, for you, as somebody knows me, anybody knows me, they're like, what? Joe Garcia meditating? I mean, what? This dude does, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people never see me sit still. How the hell do you meditate? Because I got, yeah. I kind of thought of it as a, a duality, or I don't know what the word is, di- duality, dichotomy. You know, like, there's one side where it's work, 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 you know, work your face off, yeah. sacrifice your body. And then there's the other side where it's rest and relax and you know align your chakras and all this woo stuff <laughs> and it didn't and, seem like you <laughs> and what people what i didn't realize at least is they can coexist it's not one or the other oh my they word. can coexist yes. you can still work your face off i mean i i sweat puddles every day i still work as hard as i ever did but i also take that little bit of time just to kind of have a moment of silence and to kind of center myself and the what's crazy is when you take that time to do those things and to take care of your mind and take care of your soul, it allows you to work even harder. Much harder, for sure. And focus. And when you realize that, you'll, so you'll never turn back. Focused. Well, so I think it's interesting that you had the duality between there's work and then there's meditation. Yeah, there's because for me, for me, um, or just that it's such a contrast in your mind or was, because for me, meditation is a lot of work. It's really hard and it's a major discipline. And it's one of the hardest things that I've had to do. I call it work. When I say do the work, um, you know, when I'm talking about mental health, I'm largely speaking about the discipline of meditation. It's harder than working out for me. And I think it's, it's incredibly hard. It's, and it's the most disciplined thing I do. And I think when I take the time to discipline myself to meditate each day, that is when I'm in control. That is when I'm in control of my responses. I'm in control of how I'm going to interact with the rest of the world. And I'm not the passenger in the driver's seat of this crazy car that's Kirsty. I'm driving it and I get to, you know, put the brakes on when necessary and speed up when necessary. So I think that's a really good point that you made that meditation unlocks amazing capacities to work hard to work smart to work focused it's not just this chilling white lady woo-woo thing where you light a candle and take a bath and that's not meditation man that's that's relaxing you can do whatever you like in there but uh, meditation is meeting with yourself and being brave enough to do that and it's hard that's that's hard it's hard because working out the way the way i see it like i always say and I'm going to do my best to to say this without cursing because I typically curse a lot when I say this. You can say whatever <laughs> when, you when, like on this. When I'm lifting rests. weights or when I'm when I'm coaching somebody through lifting weights, like say they're picking up a barbell, I say it's an inanimate fucking object. You tell it what to do. Mm. Like I am in 100% control. If I say I'm going to move this bar three sets of 10 times, like that's it. Like my word is final. You are an inanimate fucking object. I'm going to move you. I own Period. you. I own you. <laughs> When you're meditating, you don't get to just tell your mind you're going to be quiet and no <laughs> thoughts are going to pop into your head and we're just going to be silent. You you can say it. It's not going to happen. And the more you do try to say it, the more your mind it will be like, huh, oh, but what if, but how about this? And yeah, that acceptance, that acceptance of, okay, 
the thoughts are going to come and I'm not going to latch on to them. I will allow them to come and then to move yes. on. Um, yeah, it's not the same kind of like decisive you control. Can't. It's And not, I thought I could. I thought, like, okay, I'm going to try this meditation and I'm just going to, because, you know, when you read about it, it's like quiet your mind and allow yourself to just not think any thoughts. I'm like, okay, seems easy enough. Oh, I hate, I no, hate didn't that. Happen. I hate when they didn't do that. Happen. That's not, that's not, those aren't good cues. Um, and I think so many people have given up on the little bit of meditation they might have tried because they're like, sorry, I, do, I can't just clear my mind. And I'm like, that's because your mind is in good shape. <laughs> a blank mind means that <laughs> a blank mind is brain dead. It's not designed to be empty at any time. So don't beat yourself up. Um, that's what people sort of, uh, they'll say to me, oh, I can't meditate. And I'm like, do you think? I could meditate at first. Like, is that what you're saying here? Like when people say, oh, I could never run a marathon. Oh, really? Because I just got up one day and just ran one. Uh, it was the easiest thing in the world. That's not how these things work. Right. You decide to. You decide to. And then you can do things. But it takes a ton of work. To me, clearing your so, mind, clearing your mind is like, it's like not getting hit. Like the punches are your thoughts. Some of them are going to slide by you. Some of them, yeah, you'll make them miss some. And some of them you're just going to have to eat. But let them let them come and go. Like once you get hit, you can't, That's such you, a can't good get, analogy. you can't get unhit. Like if I eat a punch, I can't I can't get unhit. It's whatever. Let it go. Dodge the next one. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely love this analogy. This is fantastic. That is so clever. Absolutely. Because if you watch somebody being you know, in a boxing match, that's the thing. Some of them are going to make, are going to connect. And every single time I meditate, I latch onto a thought for a good period of time of that meditation until I realize I've done it. And then I'm like, oops. You just roll with it. Okay. Let that one, let that go. Let that one go. Disconnect, disconnect that one. But the whole idea of meditation is being aware, being the silent observer. So you realize that you're on the outside of yourself, that you are not your thoughts and you are not your circumstances and you are not your body. You're on the outside observing exactly. the whole thing. And so when you, when you have that little bit of distance, you have this enormous amount of control as well. I love how you've put meditation. Who would have thought yeah. that you, after a short period of, of meditating during COVID would become the master of <laughs> meditation. Yeah, <telling> <laughs> I've been doing this a long time and you're teaching me so much. So this is And you'd great. be happy to know that tomorrow, uh, tomorrow at five o'clock is my first yoga class ever. <gasps> Are you yeah. serious? That's so great. Yeah, because I was talking I to the that. guy. I'm, wor I'm working out of another gym in Toledo and uh, me, yes. me and the owner get along pretty well. He's this, this older guy. He's in fantastic shape, obviously. And he's big on like stretching and yoga. You know, he's big on all that stuff. The gym is called mind, body, and soul. If that gives you an idea of kind of their ideology. And um, I told cool. him, I said, man, I might have to hop in one of them yoga classes with you because my body is so programmed for fighting that I injure yeah. myself doing menial tasks because I'm only programmed. Like my shoulders are so forward and my quads mm -hmm. are so dominant. Like I literally felt like I tore my rotator cuff hanging a shower curtain the other day. You know, that's funny that you should say that because, Joe, I almost checked out because I uh, pulled a groin muscle trying to take a photo of somebody as I drove by them. <laughs> <laughs> I said to my husband, is this it? Is it time for 
me to just go to the long sleep because this cannot be true. This cannot be true of me that this just happened. Just gets programmed. He was driving. I was in the passenger seat. <laughs> I think it makes a really good case for cross training. Yeah. I'm a big believer. <laughs> yeah, yoga is excellent cross training um, for somebody who's you know um, doing a lot of plyometrics. Uh, the way you do, you know, that's sort of like those explosive movements, um, having the, the stretching, I'm sure is very necessary as well as, as well as a lot of other cross training, which you do, you run yeah. and all that sort of thing. So, so good. Let me know I how will. it goes. Well, it's an hour long and that's... I mean, people come out of there pretty sweaty. So I'm thinking. I think you'll be yeah. surprised at how challenging it can be. Are you going to a vinyasa? No, they do offer that, but I'm going to, I'm going to build my way up to that. <laughs> no you could you could handle it it is different kinds of it's a, it's quite a bit of cardio which you're already conditioned for but it is different um muscles than you might be accustomed to using i'm not sure yeah, so a lot cool. of the reason i can't wait honestly a lot of the reason i haven't gone yet is because you know if anybody listening doesn't know what i look like i'm a you know i'm a skinhead mexican i'm covered in tattoos i mean head to toe my neck my throat my arms i got one on my face so when I go to a lot of these yoga classes, like I feel like I'm going to make people uncomfortable. You know, it's a lot of it's a oh, lot no. of soccer moms. No. But uh... it's true. Well, I don't know where you go, whatever. But I, I, you know, I follow endless yoga accounts and I've gone to lots of yoga classes in different places. And uh, there's no one type, honestly. It's um, it's it, yog yogis are supposed to be accepting people, and yoga is for everybody literally everybody even if you are a paraplegic there's a kind of yoga you can do so um i think you will you should not at at all yeah, and i realize it'd be, it'd be hypocritical and of me to say you know fighting is for everybody it doesn't <laughs> matter if you're a soccer mom or teacher yeah so you say that it would be hypocritical yeah. of me to not go join a yoga class because i feel like i'm not going to fit in like I like that you're going with a humble state of mind, though, because sometimes guys go in and they feel pretty cocky about things and then they end up feeling no. pretty bad because they expected it to be easy. And I'm like, it's just a, it's a yeah, totally no, different kind of movement, more. especially, yeah, in the hips, you know, um, a lot of times guys are not conditioned for that. But I think jujitsu actually does. My dog would like to be part of this. Um, I think jujitsu actually, you know, I don't know you squatting and stuff. I think you you'll you'll be fine. Yeah, we'll so find I'm out. excited! Yay! <laughs> I I really think that it's um if this if this dog will allow us to wrap this up, um I I think that it's so inspiring that you took something that so many others have found um to be such a negative, um even if it didn't actually affect their health. And turn it into such a, what's the word? I don't want to be so like bold as to say such a positive because I know it's been a difficult time for you, but such That's a growth exactly experience. what I was going to say, growth. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and everybody's responded differently to it and there isn't re really any right way, but I wouldn't say that I've necessarily grown over the last year I, I don't think of myself as having you know become a vastly better person I'm really grateful for a lot of what's occurred for me over the last year but I wouldn't say you know I'm at I've, I've taken it and, and just taken it and made it make me better and so I'm, I'm really 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 
I don't want to say proud. That so, sounds so <laughs> condescending. Yeah, but can absolutely. I just be proud of you? Because, <laughs> because this had the potential to just be so devastating on every level. And you took it and just made it work for you. And that's that's inspiring to me. I want to be a better person. I honestly do. Um, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. And I wish you all the best. Um, as soon as you get things up and running here in BG, let me, um, you know, promote you as much as possible. Everything you do, I am absolutely behind. I, uh, I'm a huge cheerleader of Joe Garcia. You're a good dude. And I really owe you a lot for the things that you taught me and how you helped me during a really vulnerable time. So thanks so much, Joe. And thanks for being willing to re-record that last portion. Hopefully it comes out okay. Now I'm sure we'll do it again. But I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do it again. We'll, we always talk about having a series. So, yeah, thanks so much Thank and you, all you the too. best. Good luck thanks. in yoga. Okay. Bye.